What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two of season three of At the Movies, our independent film season. Uh, how you feeling, Jim? It's been a long time, no see, brother. I know. I feel like I haven't seen you in exactly 24 hours. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the <laughs> there's uh, People who listen or watch the show might wonder, why don't you, if you're together, why don't you record the show when you're together? And uh, the answer to that question is that we don't talk when we're together at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I did physically see Jimmy at my house for uh, th- about two and a half days, um, I didn't actually, we didn't speak at all. So Not even a single word. No. Uh, it's just not how we operate here at uh, Lomo Media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes these discussions all that much more special and valuable. It, it truly does. It truly does. It makes it just a more... Um, memorable and exciting experience not only for us but for our listeners as well and i can't so, believe we're in season three already. i mean episode two of season three i can believe we're in season three already because we did one episode so it'd be <laughs> kind of weird if i was like i can't believe we're here already and completely forgot yeah, that we did look at every episode look how far we've come yeah look at oh, wow look at us episode three episode four i can't believe we made it to five wow uh, <laughs> wow look at us now um yeah so as i mentioned this is our independent uh film season which is very today's movie i don't even know like we were gonna record yesterday and uh you were here yesterday mm-hmm. um and we we were like i told you like you got home kind of late and we were like well let's just give it a day and i needed that time to think anyways and i'll be honest i like thought about this movie and i still <laughs> don't really know um everything i don't know how where i land on this but it's in a good way i think that it's kind of one of those movies yeah that uh i it almost makes me want to watch it again to because i kind of have an idea of what i'm going into i think i almost need um, to watch it again i feel like i didn't get yeah. it the first i mean i understood it but i feel like i need to like soak in some more of the film i need a couple watches to really like understand yeah. the direction they were going in there's some characters whose motivations are very clear and others who aren't. There's some surreal stuff going on. And uh, we are talking about today uh, and the 2013 Andrew Bajalski film Computer Chess. Um, and this was, <laughs> everybody can see me reading off my phone, but got to have notes, people. Uh, premiered at the 2013 Sundance Film Festival um, and subsequently screened at such festivals as South by Southwest and the Maryland Film Festival. I did find this season's films by... Um, just looking up a few lists of the top films, top independent films of, of the decade of the past of the 2010s. Um, and we will have a surprise film later on in the season where we will go back in time a little bit further. Um, but this is definitely shot like an independent film. Yeah. Uh, and I like it. I, it is the kind of thing that I think if I saw this before I tried to make movies and videos with you i think i would have been like oh you can tell that this is like what i would have said back then which is not true is i would have said like this is like not a real movie you know um but now i actually love the way that that makes it feel yeah um it's a period piece it takes place in 1987 i believe um 1980 excuse me um and it is essentially i don't want to talk over you the whole time but i'll just give a quick synopsis it is uh a chess convention a computer chess convention that is happening at a hotel um 
convention center area um, where uh, lots of computer programmers have gotten together to test their computer chess programs in order to find the best one to beat a grand chess master. Um, and meanwhile, the subplot that kind of the two never really fully merge, but they intermingle the whole movie is uh, uh, in the are you, are you good? Yeah. The uh, the subplot that um, kind of intermingles with this, but it never really fully comes into play, and we'll talk about it, is uh, the other part of this convention center is being used by a group of New Age uh, swinger couples therapy types. And um, yeah, I wouldn't say hilarity ensues, but I would say that it leads into some uh, definitely some kind of mixed up situations. That was bad. I should retake that. That was a weird description of this movie. Okay. <laughs> Are you good? Yeah, I just couldn't tell if Bird was being too loud or not. No, I don't hear anything. That's good. Let's retake it one more time. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to talk too much because uh, I want to get into the movie with you, but I'll just give a quick synopsis. The movie takes place in 1980, um, and it is about a group of computer programmers who all create these chess computer chess programs um, and they get together to compete to see whose program is most likely to to defeat a human grand chess master um, and in the meantime at the other half of this convention uh, the two plots never like totally smash into each other but there's definitely some intermingling uh, yeah, that leads to that some... going on for sure funny and strange dichotomy uh it's these the, the other half of the convention center is being used by this group of like new age uh couples therapy swinger types um so you kind of have this duality of these very non-social tech guys kind of the, the the movie doesn't it's not a cliche but it is kind of what people would think is like the cliche nerd type archetype and then you have uh these extremely some would argue too social if you're not into that kind of thing um <laughs> yeah i i'm not ju no kink shaming on this podcast uh but they have you have these very touchy feely types um yeah. human humanist types so i wanted to do something kind of new on the podcast because this is a weird movie um what what kind of words would you use to describe this movie if you could pick like three words to describe this what what would you use do you think if i could only use three words i hate words. <laughs> it's like my least favorite activity um stylish charming at times but in a weird way i don't mean like charming like you would think of like kind of like a romance thing but it was right. just, there's some charming moments to it and um interesting interesting on multiple levels it's it was an interesting story and an interesting choice in some of these we talked about it a lot interesting choice on like some of these like camera movements in editing yeah um especially when michael papa george i know that's your favorite your favorite character in this whole entire film is at the front look desk. if i if i pulled one thing away from this movie i just want to say it's that name your characters memorably because we saw another film which i'm not going to spoil here because uh, it hasn't been announced yet. We saw a film for after the movies. Mm -hmm. Great film. By all means, I shouldn't say great, but a film that we both very much enjoyed. However, 
after the movie, uh, no pun intended, we literally could not remember the names of any of the characters. Nope. But whose name did I remember? Michael Papa. Michael Papa George, who is the, is the name of this man in, in computer chess. And I think it was cool, too, because we talked about it. Um, you know, when you're filming an independent film, like one of the biggest challenges is location. Um, so to make it confined to one hotel that the film probably just rented out, uh, they rented out probably a couple rooms there and one room to film in probably because, you know, you don't need more than one room to film. They had the banquet spaces and it was neat to see a film inside the hotel that they're filming and also how these two can, these two conventions are kind of working against each other is somebody that comes from the hotel background. This type of thing happens all of the time where like, you might have like a super like Christian group now that's here, but you also might have like a super like, you know, against a religion group and trying to keep them on separate floors and trying to keep them. So right. they, it's like a nice, like almost chess, like you're playing chess with the people that stay in here. And it's cool to see that in film form about how they're kind of trying to share these same banquet rooms and stuff. It's almost impossible to keep uh, these spiritual people away from these unsocial right. <laughs> gentlemen. I, yeah. And I would use, so like, uh, interesting was a word you use. That was, that's definitely a word that I would use as I know it's like a vague thing, but this movie really is interesting. I would call, I would say slow, but I don't want the negative connotation that comes with that. It's kind of a thing where it's, at the beginning of the film, like the first third, we were watching it, and I was like, oh, it's that thing where it's like, I was kind of invested, but you, when you watch it with somebody else, it's not an action movie, so you're kind of like, I hope this person doesn't hate what we're watching, you know? We also we watched it hour. Saturday morning. We watched it on a, it was, yeah, it was just dark in the house. Like we drinking coffee, watching computer chess. Very, uh very just like chill way to start the day mm. um i would also say surreal um yeah surreal's good this, this movie's got like got comedy but i wouldn't so the descriptors for this movie i see a lot are like dark comedy things like that i don't know how i would classify this there's comedy there's like maybe even a couple brief elements of like thriller there's like accidental uh, comedy though is the thing like it doesn't seem like it's some of the right. line, it just seems like it's not intended like it's unintentional comedy like i wouldn't really classify it as a comedy even though it is funny at parts but i don't know i don't really know how to describe it to be honest with you i the closest that i can think of comparatively and maybe it's a good thing maybe that's like not being able to think of something to compare it to maybe that is a compliment uh in the favor of computer chess is just that it is its own thing um and it's short which i like uh because i think it is Kind of the perfect runtime where if somebody yeah. is not into it, they can still get through it. Um, it reminds me of David Lynch, and that's a director that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet. Uh, that I have mixed feelings about. I like I like some of his work very much, and then other other some of his work I hate, and a lot of film film people love it. So I I would actually be curious to do a season on him, but. Um, it yeah, it's just it, it bounces back and forth between realism. You have this documentary aspect. The movie split between, um, like news cameras detailing this computer chess convention, and then the narrative. Um, and the narrative you have these these computer nerds that are working on their stuff, and there's 
uh, a girl for the first time ever is in the competition and all of these guys like don't know how to act around her they are lost uh (laughs) this the the comedy i think mostly comes from that that swingers group um you know there's a very there's a very funny scene where michael papa george just kind of gets like like accosted by them uh and just is like put through a free therapy session with them and they're all like tickling him on the ground and like they were like you know, spanking like... him though at the end they yeah. were spanking <laughs> michael papa george and you're like why are um, they why are they doing this to mr papa george you don't know you just don't know it's uh yeah. um and so so that's that those people are only there like they don't really have a huge effect on the plot other than just kind of being there as like a buffer to how cold and calculated the computer side of things are um and that's like my biggest pull from this movie is just this split between kind of technology and uh naturalistic things Mm -hmm. you know um there's a part where the beginning this kid's got a camera and he's shoot he's about to shoot the sun and the guy's like don't point the camera at the sun it'll like ruin the camera yeah um and then at the end of the movie there's this big storm and a window gets left open and there's leaking and uh one of the big computer chess computers these you know in the 80s it's this giant computer that you see these guys spending so much time working on this hardware they put their whole lives into this just for it to be melted down by a little bit of water and uh this idea that like nature i think i think it's i don't know i'd be curious to hear your take but i think it's this idea that like nature is kind of always one step ahead and always like always wins yeah Um, i think there's a couple different ways to look at this movie you have like the science-based like analytical life is by numbers uh kind of computer programmer you have the spiritual like holisticness of this like spiritual uh, retreat swingers retreat whatever you want to call it and then like right in the middle they converge in this kind of like nature of healing almost of like you know no matter what you're doing at the end of the day like nature will overcome and nature will like destroy or give life to uh whatever so i think it was interesting to see at the end there when that can uh, when that computer is no more and well, and the other thing that we didn't even talk about, and I didn't really think of, that was the main interpretation I pulled from the movie. But when I did think about it more, there's a sub, not a subplot, it's just a part of the movie where it's like the Pentagon, people from the Pentagon are at the uh, convention and they are kind of trying to talk some people into using their programming for own experiment and and there's a guy that did just randomly use uh used some of the computer chess experiment uh i'm sorry he was part of the computer chess program for his own experiment um which i think is a little far-fetched because our government would never interfere and use (laughs) technology for any single reason so that was a little far-fetched for the story but i mean i'll give it to him listen if there's one thing everybody about this podcast knows it's that i love our government and I want to be tread on. And this movie took a little bit of a too much of a don't tread on me kind of vibe, you know. I'm here to I'm here to kiss boots, baby. And uh 
Yeah, I don't know. No, he he does this experiment uh, where he this was this is when the movie does take it's kind of this third act I think where it starts to I'm not gonna say horror but it is a little bit of like surreal horror or something definitely really jarring. I know that I pointed it out when yeah. it started happening. I was like, what the hell is happening? He does this experiment where he asks the AI if, where its soul is and it flashes like a uh image of like an ultrasound on his computer and then shuts down which is very bizarre mm-hmm. um and then at the end of the film the big reveal which i love the more i think about it is it's such a tonally jarring ending to this movie but it's like unforgettable um you have this young programmer who throughout the movie is obsessed with figuring out this program and why it's not working and trying to create the best chess program he can. I mean, like to the point of like not sleeping and he goes through all this stuff where there's a swinger couple kind of pulls him in and they're trying to get him to, uh, presumably he's like a virgin or doesn't have a lot of experience with women and he's very uncomfortable and leaves. Um, and at one point he talks, he has a moment with the girl who's at the competition that year. And he talks to her about, they do an experiment where she, instead of doing the moves that she's supposed to do, she plays against the program the way she wants to. And it kind of changes the experiment. And so this kid's kind of on another level. And at the end of the film, she talks to him about how she can't stop thinking about what he said to her and how she was looking at people in the convention center. And I love this like part in this dialogue, this scene she says like they're moving like chess pieces there was like the king and there was the queen defending him it was like the guy and his wife the chess master and his wife and then you have these guys that are moving diagonally across the room and at the end of the movie after all this talk about ai and stuff this kid hires a a lady of the night a sex worker to come to the uh to his hotel room with him and she removes a piece of her head it's like the it's it's just out of nowhere. She pulls up. She kind of you think she's maybe like, you know, running her hand through her hair or something. She like pulls a piece of her head off, and you see like computer pieces and stuff inside of her head. Um, it's kind of like this kid figured out what nobody else did or could, which is that like, uh, everything they're working on has already been done. Yep. Somebody, you know, somebody, presumably the government or who knows, honestly, it's never really answered. But somebody out there, uh, human or otherwise, whatever you want to think, has this technology exists and it is already all around us. Um, yeah, I think another it, scene that was like really jarring that we didn't touch on yet was when Michael Papa George uh, leaves the convention and he goes to his mom's house and it switches from black and white to color. Uh, while he's talking to his mom and then for the next couple minutes it's like this weird like editing and cuts where it's like he's everywhere and nowhere all at once and at first I didn't really like it um when I was watching I was like this is I don't I don't like this and then uh, the more I sat on I was like that's actually a pretty cool editing technique of just like making you feel like he's there but he's not and it's like everywhere it was kind of interesting to think about i yeah i i remember you saying that you didn't like it and i couldn't tell whether it was from a uh, filmmaking standpoint or if it was because it, it was very like anxiety inducing because it was it mm-hmm. was like it was pretty effective in terms of michael papa george is 
First of all, this is when I say, and this could be again a symptom of me having to watch the movie again. The char- his character motivations are the only motivations that I was like not sure about leaving the movie. Um, all I know is that his his plot, his journey is kind of that he goes to he he keeps trying to get a room at this hotel where this convention's happening. He finally does goes to this after hours thing where a lot of the nerds get together and they drink and do drugs and stuff and he steals or buys some pills whatever you choose to believe and the guy calls him out on it so he has to go get money to pay for him um, and that leads to the scene you're talking about um, but he is you know he can't find this wooden box that has the money and um, he is like walking in circles around the house and it keeps cutting to like the same footage, the same shot of him walking around the house. Then he's down on his knees, like pulling out cupboards and stuff. There's a crazy, crazy uh, shot where his the person he brought with him, I think his name was Freddie. Uh, he's talking to his mom, and his mom is talking, and it's a literally, it's like a GIF. His mom is like talking to the guy, but her mouth isn't matching the dialogue, yeah. and her head turns back and forth the same way like three times. And it's very, uh, this again, the kind of thing where it's like not horror, but it, it makes you feel like scared or, or, yeah, or very just nervous, you know? I don't understand. One thing I still don't get is like, and maybe it was a creative decision or maybe it just was hard to film in that like environment, but like why the sound didn't match your voice? Like why, why, why your lips didn't match the sound? Like, I don't yeah, understand two, that. I, I think there's two possibilities. I think it was either it was either a conscious decision based on how jarring the visual style was, which is which is possible, or I think more possibly they had this non actor older woman who maybe didn't get her lines totally or didn't uh you know, in, the inflection wasn't right and they had somebody come back in and do ADR over top of it. Uh, or maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe they had to do the ADR, but then once they had that, they said, like, well, the scene's already kind of frightening. Let's, you know, take it a step further and make it, it really works. Apparent, I mean, it, like, it definitely, you're already in this kind of, like, anxiety-inducing scenario, and that, like, the cuts and that helps. I mean, it helps just be like, I want this scene to end already. I know that's at least what I thought. I was like... And I think... <laughs> That like that scene, and then the only other scene that I question if it was a creative decision or not is when they do that like double zoom at the front desk. Like, yes, oh my god, triple zoom. Yeah, that was crazy. It like jumps out at you, and I was like, I don't know if that was that was either intentional or like the zoom they were using or however they were using that kind of like messed up and they weren't able to like reshoot that scene for whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it almost has to be intentional, but again, it feels like this kind of thing where the movie does take kind of not like a hard turn, but I would say like about halfway in, it starts to get a little weirder. Um, And I think that maybe sometimes you catch those like happy accidents that Mm -hmm. are, Maybe you're like, oh, shit, at first, and then you're kind of like, well, this definitely takes the audience somewhere, you know? Like, it makes them kind of wonder what's going on. Um, I think, Jimmy, I'm going to go, or Lo, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Messed up. 
Um, I'm going to put this movie in a class of its own. This is something we've never done on At The Movies. I think this is going to be our first At The Movies rewatch. I'm proposing, not now, but, but maybe um, at the end of the season or... A whole we'll season we'll pick... all in itself where we re-watch and re-analyze <laughs> Every time. Computer chess. No, I think uh, a season, either at the end of the season or we'll, we'll find it, uh, the right time to do it. We'll let it marinate for a little bit. But I think this might be the first movie that we do a second episode on. Because I think that it would be, especially after we film our own short film this summer, I think it would be very interesting to return to this and see if we can maybe pull it apart a little more. This is the, I mean... You should sit on movies. You should marinate on them. You can't expect us or anybody to know everything about a movie after you see it one time. But yeah. I do have to say, this is like the first time we've watched a movie where I don't feel unprepared to talk about it, but I feel like I still don't really know how I feel about it. Or yeah, I'd I don't feel it. like I gave Do you it... recommend it? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. This is the first time, I think, when we watched a movie and then discuss it on this podcast where I don't feel like I'm doing it justice talking about it. Um, and not because like, I don't have enough information. It's just, I feel like it's a more complex film than what we are, um, explaining it as. And it's just because we only watched it once. There's so much to pick up on, not only from like a story perspective, but a film making uh, perspective as yes. well. Like there's so many, like, like times where it makes you question, like, was, you know, we talked about it. Was it a creative decision or was it an accident? Or, like, what was it? And I think if you watch it again, you can kind of, like, narrow it down. Like, oh, no, they did that on purpose because of this. Or you can go, nope, that was probably an accident. But I don't know. I, I wish. I, I have so say... many questions. I wish we were able to talk to him and, like, figure it out. So if for I some strange it. chance that oh, uh, Andrew Bujalski is watching this, and I hope hope you are we invite you on to talk about it in our second episode if you would like to i'm manifesting it right now who knows if it's going to happen but what we're going to do is we're going to sit on it for the rest of the season and at the end of the season we're going to tweet at andrew Bajalski a thousand times the episode a thousand no just just once we're gonna kindly invite Listen, him i watch on gary like v to... he says a thousand times <laughs> people love that people love when you are unrelenting um, I think that it's in the realm of possibility, but who knows? We'll see. I do like, I would like to mention, so we, we do talk about kind of how this season is closer to the ground for us in terms of, um, like when I, there's a lot of times when I listen to music where I like the band's first album because it sounds like it was recorded. Sounds like something I'm capable of doing. And yeah. that, that sounds very highly of myself, which I'm, I don't think that highly of myself, but it's like, if you listen to the first Death Cab for Cutie album, they recorded it in a house, like an open house with no soundproofing. They had a microphone dangling from the ceiling. Very similar to the setup that I used with uh, Brian and Crooner when we recorded our first album. And so that's charming to me. There's this part of, uh, I, I identify and relate to the music more because I feel like it's potentially something that I could create. And so, again, I'm not saying that I could write and direct computer chess at all. But what I am saying is seeing a movie, um, this is definitely more of an indie feel than Blue Ruin. 
in terms of equipment and look, seeing a movie like this makes me feel, um, I, I, I identify with the film and I care about the film because it seems like something that I could potentially pull off something similar to, yeah. you know? No, hundred percent. I think that's um, the whole point of the season too. And that's a compliment. To see... That's not to say that's not to say anything about like them using poor equipment or anything. It just it feels truly like an independent film. Whereas Blue Ruin is an independent film that you watch it and you're like, oh, this this is this guy's first movie. How did he look at that shot? Look at that. You know, he's this is you're watching a seasoned thriller, you know? Yeah, I think Um, it's too to point out to our listeners that might not be like well-versed in like the film making world but like there is a there is a small gap of what what i of what i would consider non-independent like production films and then there is a wider gap of like independent like it can range from like almost hitting that like feature quality to almost like being like did you film this on like an envy back in like 2004 like it could range right from so many different levels where it's like you know when you talk about feature films they kind of fit in this box or independent films and we will see throughout the season they're all going to be different like in different like different equipment different purposes i mean so it'll be interesting to see and uh, keep track of um so the only movie and i I do i would like to watch this with you maybe we'll do like a we'll do like a halloween special or something um there's a film that I own that I briefly discussed when we watched this called Escape from Tomorrow. And it is a movie that was gr- shot guerrilla style at Disneyland. Uh, and it's a horror movie, which makes it even more interesting. And it's black and white. And it is surreal. And there are some funny parts. And there are some just outright bizarre stuff. I did not know how I felt about it the first time I watched it. But it stuck with me enough that I bought a copy. And now I'm very interested in it. That is the closest thing that i can think of that this reminds me of um and i would go ahead and recommend that to viewers too if you if you like this movie if you like the feel of this movie um if you like being unnerved or if you just kind of like independent film experiments um again the idea that this movie this movie doesn't take it quite as far but the idea that this escape from tomorrow was filmed covertly in a place where you are not supposed to film uh is just uh, truly a, a filmmaking feat. So with that uh, film, so it's either that. it's either I've seen it with you all already, or you've been trying to get me to watch it for the last four years. I can't figure out which one. It is. I think I've been trying. I think I've been trying to get everybody around me to watch it for the past four years to an annoying halt. <laughs> I'm like, guys, this movie was filmed at Disneyland. They're like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do a comparison episode or something as a Halloween thing or who knows. I'm going to, I think it'd be perfect to do around Halloween cause I'm going to Disney in October. So, yeah. uh, put it in the books. We'll do a special Fun episode. Fact, everybody in October, Aaron will be doing the podcast live from Disney. <laughs> yeah. They love that. Uh, they, they love filming and, uh, recording at Disney world. Um, and I love doing it on my vacation. Hey, this is like a vacation, dude. Oh. All right. Well, we we did our best to talk about computer chess. Um, this is a hard one. This is a tough one, folks. Yep. And I hope that 
but it's been fun to talk about. It's been interesting to talk about. I hope people do check out the movie. I, we would both recommend it, even though it is trip. Um, and I hope you guys chew on it for a little bit, the, the way we are. And we actually, I, I don't know about you, but I actually look forward to returning to this um, in a few months. So I, I'm very Maybe interested. we'll even do a live podcast for this. Who knows? We've, we've been saying we're going to do some live podcasts for about... Uh, whatever this first podcast, yeah, as long as this podcast has been a long week, <laughs> yeah, been around, we've been talking about doing a live podcast. So, one of these days, you will see a live podcast. I'd like to do it, we'll make it happen. Um, who knows if it'll be that episode, but if that is something you're interested in, please let us know. Um, just a couple of quick plugs. Thank you for listening to At the Movies. Um, we are going to be watching. Let's announce the next movie first, actually, before we do our plugs. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. Um, and then after this one is one that Jimmy picked, and, and I'm very excited about that as well. But next week, we are going to be watching documentary. Room 237, a documentary about all of the conspiracy theories associated with The Shining. All the way from Kubrick, uh, based it on the Holocaust or the genocide of the Native Americans, to clues that Kubrick faked the moon landing in the movie... It covers that's an interesting this... one. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, the <laughs> yeah. one that Kubrick directed the moon landing, I didn't realize that that was a thing for the longest time. And I was like watching some videos and I was like, Yeah, Kubrick it's, it's, the moon uh... landing. <laughs> <laughs> I love stuff like this. This reminds me of, um, so I, I should say, I watched this or I tried to watch this once in college and I hated it. And the reason that I hated it was because I didn't understand that the point of the movie. Um, was to not to say that any of these things are true. It was just to like say, here's all there is, and you can pick and choose what what you think makes sense or not. Um, at the time, I thought it was like somebody who was just reaching at everything, and it was like frustrating me. But I think I kind of get it now. This person did another film that's on Hulu now called Glitch in the Matrix. It's a simulation theory documentary, very similar. I think if somebody watches that, because I think simulation theory is a crock of shit. And I watched the movie and had a great time just listening to people who have their reasons to believe it exists, whether I agree with it or not. And instead of somebody trying to convince me to believe in it, they just kind of laid out why some people do. Um, so I'm very excited for this. I would recommend if folks have not seen The Shining, definitely watch The Shining. Whether you're going to watch this movie or not, you should watch The Shining. Um, but uh, check out Room 237. We'll return next week with that. Um, in the meantime, if you would like to watch the films with us in real time, you can join our Patreon. Less than a cup of, co cup of coffee a month, $3 a month. Uh, you get access to our Discord. We do two watch parties a week where we watch the films for at the movies and after the movies. And we talk about them in real time. So you can discuss those with us if you'd like to, um, along with other benefits. Yep, that's patreon.com slash Lomo. It's simple. Make it as easy as we possibly can to get there. So, yep. Um, other than that, word of mouth helps. So, if you hear something you like, if you enjoy a particular episode, or uh, you know, if you just enjoy the show and you you want to tell a friend, we appreciate that. Uh, a share on social media always helps out. And only um, nice comments if you want to leave a comment. Only yeah, nice one. Because I'm sensitive. Because we will find we will find out where you live. The sensitive big voice. I don't. <laughs> sensitive big 
two we're just two sensitive big boys talking about uh conspiracy theories and uh I like the way that the camera zoomed in on the can of green beans because it reminded me that the point of the movie was uh, about the green beans. I just like how the director thought of me when he played the scene with the guy eating the pizza. <laughs> I also like pizza. <laughs> Ladies right, guys, and gentlemen, thank you that's so it. Much. <laughs> Have a great one. We will see you on Thursday for the Tomorrow War after the movies. Until then, uh, take her easy.